Well, good evening. My name is Joe Jones. I'm one of the elders here at New Covenant and part of the preaching team. If you're new with us tonight, we're so glad uh, you've joined us for this Good Friday service. And tonight's service is a sober and somber and heavy one uh, compared to our normal Sunday morning service. And this is because tonight's service focuses on an awful event in human history, which is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. In fact, it is the most awful event in human history. Now, you might ask me, isn't that a bit of an exaggeration in light of all of the awful things that have happened throughout the course of human history to say that this event is the most awful event in human history? And I say, I don't actually believe that it's an exaggeration to say that. And here's why. It is because of the one who died on that cross 2,000 years ago. The suffering and shame and pain and death of the creator of the world, the only truly innocent one, Jesus, is the darkest day in the history of humanity. And on Good Friday, in our religious church calendar, this day is an opportunity for us to remember that awful day. And yet, it is called Good Friday. And it's Good Friday because what was bad for Jesus results in good for us. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to open our Bibles and look at a passage of Scripture that reveals both of these realities. The darkness of what Jesus experienced on the cross and the good that his sufferings achieved for us who believe in him. So let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing, and then we'll look at this passage together. So, Father, we do pray for your blessing on your word as we hear it tonight, and that you would speak through your word and be at work in our hearts this evening. And we pray in the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to just dig into one Question as we look at these three verses tonight. And that question is this What actually happened when Christ died on the cross? What actually happened when Christ died on the cross? Many people throughout history have died deaths that have had an impact on our world. Think about the death of someone like Martin Luther King Jr., whose death further propelled 
the civil rights movement. Now, here's a death that has a lasting impact. So with Jesus. When he died on that cross, something real and significant was accomplished even for us and for our salvation. Let's learn about what that reality is in Colossians chapter 2. So you could turn there in your Bible to Colossians chapter 2. It's toward the end of your Bible. It's an epistle of the Apostle Paul, Colossians 2, and we'll just look at three verses, verses 13 through 15. Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. I'll read these verses for us. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So let's ask our question again. What actually happened when Christ died on the cross? And we get the answer to this question if you look down at your Bible again at the end of verse 14 where it says, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And if you just read those words, another question rises to the surface. And that is, what is this that God set aside? Now, we don't have to wonder about the answer to that question because we get the answer to that earlier in verse 14, where it says that this is the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. You see it there in verse 14. So there was a record of debt that stood against us with legal demands. In other words, because we've all broken God's law, we are in debt to God. Hear that again. Because we've all broken God's law, we're all in debt to God. Now, there's no doubt that we've all broken God's law. And we're familiar with laws, uh, with commands. We have laws in the United States. We have laws in the state of Illinois. Many people have laws or principles for their homes. Some of these laws are good. Some of them are silly or unnecessary or overbearing. But in a similar way, God himself has Laws And his laws aren't silly or unnecessary or unjust or overbearing. God's laws are good and pure and right. And God's law, you might already realize this, but it's summarized in the Ten Commandments. And it would, it's Easter weekend, right? So it'd be really interesting to go out on the streets tomorrow, maybe in St. Charles, Geneva, Batavia, with a microphone and ask maybe some millennials or Gen Zers, what are the Ten Commandments? And how many of them could rattle off those Ten Commandments? And how many of us maybe in here tonight could rattle off the Ten Commandments? But even so, many of us are, are somewhat familiar with God's law, with the, the Ten Commandments. Laws like this. Do not murder 
Or as Jesus said when he got to the heart of things, don't even have anger or hatred in your heart toward another person. Another commandment, do not steal or do not take what doesn't belong to you. Another commandment, do not bear false witness or do not tell lies or be deceitful in any way. Now, how are we doing so far? I know I've already broken all of those commandments in one way or another throughout my life. Let's keep going. Do not covet or do not even want or desire in your heart what is not yours. And here's the big one. Do not have any other gods before the one true God. Or do not love or live for anything or anyone above God. You see, God's standard for us, for each one of us in here tonight, is that we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And if you and if I, if we are being honest with ourselves, we've fallen way short of God's standard. And that's why this passage in Colossians says we're all in deep debt to God. In other words, we owe him our love and our loyalty and our very lives but we have lived for ourselves instead. And the debt we owe to God is so deep and it's so profound that we could never repay it. We owe a debt to God that we can't pay back. That's what the Bible teaches. And this is where other religions go astray. They say, yes, you owe a debt to God, but if you work hard enough and if you do good enough and if you try hard enough, you can repay that debt to God so that on the day of judgment, your good deeds can outweigh your bad deeds. But the Bible says that our debt is so deep, it runs so deep before God that we could never repay it by our good works or our good lives. Now, notice with me that this passage in verse 14, if you look at it again in verse 14, it's not said to be just a debt here. Do you notice that? It says a record of debt. In the Greco-Roman world of the Apostle Paul's day, a record of debt was essentially a handwritten note that testified to someone's debt. And it kind of like, it made that debt concrete. It's written down. And then it was given to the debtor and the debtor would actually sign that record of debt, probably with a witness there, to say, yes, I actually owe this to you. So if we were living back then and you had something you owed me, whether it was money or a material possession or some work or whatever else, I would write that on a piece of paper and I would give to you that piece of paper and you would sign it indicating that you actually owe what you owe. And the Apostle Paul is drawing on this imagery from his day 
to essentially make the case that we owe a massive IOU to God that we can't pay back, and we've signed it with our very lives, with the lives that we've lived. You see, God is just, and so he can't let our sins just kind of slip through the cracks. And because he's just, he's actually set a day of judgment in the future when we all must stand before him and give an account of our lives to him. And God has kept a record of our debt, our sins that we've committed against him, the ways that we have broken his law, so that on the day of judgment, all that we've done, even all of our sins, will be brought to remembrance before God, this is real. The Bible, this isn't coming from my own mind. This is the teaching of Scripture. And we're living in a a culture today that doesn't like the word sin. Sin is taken lightly. And the idea of judgment and hell, these are very hard things to think about, aren't they? But the Bible is very serious about sin and very clear about judgment. And we as Christians want to receive what the Bible says and simply believe it because this is our ultimate authority and ultimate source of truth. Now, if that's all the Bible said, we, it would be a pretty depressing message. But that's not all that the Bible says. You see, the good news of the Bible is this. For all who belong to Jesus Christ, God has set aside the record of our debt. And wow, is this ever good news. And the way it has been set aside, and this is key, is that God has nailed it to the cross. Our record of debt was nailed to the cross. You say, what does that mean? It means that when you think about the cross, one thing that should come into your mind is that all, all of your sins were nailed to that cross. It's like if all your sins were written in a book and someone got a huge spike and drove that spike through that book, into the cross, and there at the cross, all your sins go away and they're remembered no more. But there's more. And this is where we get to the very heart of these verses. It, it wasn't actually a book that was nailed to the cross, was it? It wasn't a written record of our sins that was nailed to the cross. No, What was nailed to the cross wasn't a thing at all. It was a person. The person of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. In those days, the Romans would crucify the worst criminals as a form of maximum brutal torture. Crucifixion was a brutal, terrible way to die. And above the cross where they crucified criminals, they would often put a sign, a notice, a record 
of the wrongs that the criminal had committed. This is why the Jewish people, when they put Jesus to death on the cross, they wanted written above his head on the cross, he said he's the king of the Jews. Because they wanted everyone to see and to know that he was claiming to be someone he wasn't. And that's why he was suffering this brutal death. All that Jesus had done wrong. But what Paul, the Apostle Paul, is saying here in Colossians 2 is that the reason that Jesus suffered this brutal torture of the cross was not for his own wrongdoing. He was nailed to the cross for our wrongdoings, for our trespasses, for our sins. You say, so what? What's, what's the point? Well, the point, very simply, is this. Jesus died not for his own sins. He didn't have any to die for. Jesus was the innocent one. We are the guilty ones. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he suffered and bled and died as a substitute for you. He became sins for you and endured the judgment of God that those sins deserved on the cross. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of why we're here tonight and why we celebrate Good Friday. That salvation is a free gift of God, not because of anything that we've done, but because Jesus laid down his life for us, for our sins. This is amazing grace and kindness and love. The message of the cross, the message of Christianity is a message of beautiful, powerful grace. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I want to come back to our question as we finish up. What actually happened when Christ died on the cross? And what happened there 2,000 years ago at the cross was that all our sins were set aside by God, put out of his sight forever because Jesus took those sins upon himself. You say, how do we respond to all this? Well, maybe you came tonight and you feel weary. You feel worn out just by life. Or maybe you are suffering some grief or pain or loss and you actually barely made it here tonight because of the pain and brokenness that you feel in your heart tonight. Or maybe for you, you've, you've just had a bad week and you've fallen into temptation or you've given in to some sin and you feel like, I did barely make it here tonight and I need help. I need hope. I need someone to come through for me. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've actually never heard this message before of Jesus dying in your place. 
And for you, it's, it's all new to you. Or maybe for you, you've heard this message and you've trusted in Christ, but you've strayed away from God and you want to come back to him tonight. And the message of the cross, the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel is that for all of us, the simple call is simply to come to Jesus, simply to trust in him. Maybe for you, it's just to start by praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you. And, and what Jesus accomplished on the cross, all that he did for us was that when we come to him in our need, he says, come to me, I will welcome you. And that's the good news of, of the Bible and all that Jesus has accomplished for us. So in light of that, let's pray together.